Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I've got some good stuff coming up in a moment on the Georgia point spread, something that I did not know until yesterday that makes the fact that Georgia's a favorite in this game even more interesting than otherwise would be, especially given the fact that Georgia's coming off a loss uh, the last time these two teams played each other. Let me push pause on that for about 60 seconds, maybe a minute and a half here, and let me just say something else before that. This morning, I woke up feeling so different than I have felt really at any other point in time in this week leading up to the game. And the same thing kind of happened to me in 2017 a little bit. You know, you can insert your joke here if you're not a Georgia fan, you happen to be, you know, uh, watching today or listening today via podcast or something like that. You can insert your own joke here if you want. But I don't have a lot of experience getting ready for a national championship game. It's just the second time in my lifetime that Georgia's played in a true official national championship game. And so the the way in which you kind of go from the grind of a season where it's week to week to week where – and listen, I don't say grind in a negative way. I love it. I, I love the fact that in the midst of the September, October, November through December, I, I love the fact there's always a next thing. You know, you build up to a game, you play it, you close your eyes, you sleep for a couple of hours, you wake up on Sunday. Now you're getting ready for the next game. I, I like the way in which the season just kind of moves from one thing to the next. I need a lot of structure in my life. I'm not happy if I don't have that structure. And the season for me provides that structure just kind of keep me rolling and keep me doing what I need to do. But you train your mind around football season to always have a next thing. What what comes after this? You know where you're moving to. You you know you, you know where you're traveling to. What who's the next game after this one's over with? There's just always kind of a next thing, and there's a certain weirdness to the national championship game in that you come to grips with the fact that there is no next thing. One way or another, it ends. The the, the season comes to an end on Monday night. It either comes to an end with the highest form of elation or the lowest form of, of, of misery, but it comes to an end. And all of this happens in such a crazy busy time where you're in you know, Miami and the temperature's in the 80s and you're going to blink your eyes. You're in Indianapolis, the temperature's going to be in the, what, the teens, the 10s, negative wind chill. Uh, and it's all just so weird and, and uh, the, 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 the buildup to it, just, even though it's a number of days, a little bit longer than, than, a, than a typical game would be, but it all just kind of goes by so fast because it's just this you know race, this one run after the other uh, of, of, of things. And, 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 and before you know it, the days are kind of ticking away, and you wake up and realize it's Thursday. You know, George's about to play in this game coming up on Monday. And for me, and I don't know if you're the same way. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But I don't know that any of this has quite felt real to me until like right now. That And I felt like the same thing was true for me in 2017 when we did this for the very first time. I remember being in studio as our old studio, one of our old studios. But I remember being in studio the morning of that game because the game was in Atlanta. In studio that morning doing the show, and it was just like I kept having to like, sort of slap myself in the head to say, this is a show prior to a national championship game. It was kind of unforeseen. We had first started doing Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp a couple years before that. Uh, but this is it. We're doing this now by we. I mean, all of us who, you know, are, are you know, part of what we think of as Dog Nation. We're doing this. This is happening. This is real. And for a while this week, it's kind of felt just as surreal to me. So this is the moment in which that reality, I think, for me, starts to set in. In a couple of days, we are going to be in Indianapolis. And Georgia, one way or another, is going to decide its fate in front of the entire college football world against not its biggest rival, but a team that's turned out to be its arch nemesis, Nick Saban in Alabama. And all of this feels very real to me now, and maybe it's felt that way for you the entire time, but the actual true buildup begins now. And if you want to get in like the perfect game day mood, if you want to get the perfect game day vibe going, a Georgia player spoke yesterday. I think the words that he used cert- certainly get you there. If you're not there yet, you will be there coming up in just a few minutes time so we'll get to that let me put that on pause for right now and let me instead begin this way one of the more intriguing questions that's existed in the lead up to this game against Alabama has been well why is Georgia a favorite given the fact that they were a favorite the last time and they got totally drilled by the Crimson Tide given the fact that Alabama has won championship after championship after championship, at least seemingly, Georgia hasn't quite crossed over that threshold as of yet. And yet throughout all of this, Alabama is still 
the favorite in this game. Why is that? Uh, a lot of folks have been kind of wrestling with. And like the one thing that I have been saying, and you can kind of buy into this from me or not, you have every right to disregard my opinion on this, but nonetheless, the one thing that I've been saying is, is that gambling public, people who set the lines, people who take the lines very seriously, people who put large wagers on games in the hopes of finding an edge and, and really making a living by betting college football, the one thing you have to understand about them is a couple of things. First of all, they change their mind so much more slowly than the average fan does, who is a lot more driven by emotion. And listen, I'm kind of right there with the fan for the most part on this. I ride the roller coaster of emotion there as well. I, I can promise you this, even though you probably heard me speak with some caution about the game going into it with Alabama the, the previous time, I can tell you this, being in Atlanta that day was a beautiful day. We had a great tailgate. A lot of, you know, I wasn't drinking, but a lot of other people around me were drinking and everybody's hugging and having a good time and everybody's fired up. I can promise you this, the notion of Georgia losing that game to Alabama around the stadium that particular Saturday it's hard for that to even enter your mind because you are a part of such a happy vibe amongst UGA fans. That's kind of the highest high you have before a game like that. And then when the game is over, there's kind of the lowest low of, oh my gosh, it sort of feels like you've been sort of fooled again into to believing this was possible. And there's this all this negativity that creeps in. And you know, for some Georgia fans, it was an even wilder ride than that. There were there were a lot of Georgia fans that didn't want to hear the possibility of Georgia losing prior to the game. And then once the game was over with, they didn't want to hear about the possibility that Georgia could win a rematch because they were so sick and disgusted by what they saw. That's just kind of the emotional hot roller coaster that fans ride. But gambling folks don't ride that same roller coaster. They change their mind a lot more slowly. And they don't fall prey into the notion that whatever happened last matters most. They view this season as 13, now 14 individual data points, 12 games of a regular season, an SEC championship game, and both Alabama and Georgia playing in a college football playoff semifinal game just this past Friday. And they don't weigh the thing that happened last the most. They look at all of these things somewhat individually and then collectively, and that adds up to the notion where Georgia is now about a field goal favorite against Alabama. And if anything, that number's actually risen, right? We saw two, two and a half. Now we're seeing three. And for a lot of Georgia fans, that just leaves some curiosity about, well, why? I'm still not quite so sure I completely understand this. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If that seems mysterious to you based on what you think you know, what I'm about to show you and what I'm about to let you hear, I think is going to make this even more interesting. Because yesterday, and a lot of you know this, every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, we do a show called SEC Country Live. It's on the SEC Country Facebook page, the SEC Country Live YouTube page. And one of the sponsors that you've heard me talk about both on our show here on Dog Nation Daily and on SEC Country Live is BetUS, America's most beloved sports book. You've heard me say that a lot, 25 years. Very big player on the sports book scene, BetUS.com, promo code DN125, by the way. Uh, but anyway, I'm, this is not an ad read. This is the, you, you've heard me talk about BetUS. So I had one, I had one of their guys on our show yesterday. And I wanted to ask from the perspective of the book itself, not the better, but from the book about the notion of, of, of Georgia being the field goal favorite against Alabama. Now, here's what you've commonly heard when it comes to betting. You've heard it said before that the goal in betting is to get the money even that in just simple language that if you get half the money on one side and half the money on the other side, and if the uh, if the sports book has what, like about a 10% hold, or sometimes it's called the vigorish, um, you go back to the movie Goodfellas or something like that, but that hold or the vig, as it's commonly known in the streets, that becomes the profit for the casino. That if you balance the money, you take the vig or you take the hold as the profit, and that is how a sports book uh, stays in business. That's just kind of the common assumption when it comes to stuff like this. But here's what's fascinating that with Georgia favored against Alabama, the money is actually coming in at a very different rate than you might assume. Let me let you hear a guy named David Wasson from BetUS on what they are seeing on their end. This is inside information about their sports book and how the bets they are taking leading up to the national championship game. David Wasson from SEC Country Live yesterday. And this is within the last hour I checked these numbers. 85% of the money line money is on Alabama in this game. 82% of the wagers are on Alabama in this game. Almost all of that on the money line. Uh, uh, you know, on the, on the point spread, it's 68% wager count against Alabama or for Alabama, 
on the on the uh, on the money itself, on the volume of money. So simply put, there's a lot more money on the line coming in so far on Alabama. So let's think about this for a moment. Not only is Georgia mysteriously in the eyes of some favored in this game, but just to take now I realize this is just one shot. Bet US is just one shot, but it is a big one. Bet US is a very big uh, a very big sports book. And what David Wasson right there just says is is that if you look at the money line, which is not, which is kind of just a simple bet of is Alabama going to win or lose? Will Georgia win or lose? You're not you're not using point spreads, you're simply paying a price to pick the winner. He says 85% of the money on Alabama, 82% of the wagers on Alabama. If you want to look at the point spread, which is Georgia favored by three right now, 68% of the bets on Alabama, 60% of the money on Alabama. So so you've got this, in the mind of some, a little bit mysterious point spread made even more mysterious by the fact that all of the money is lining up, or at least the majority of the money is lining up behind Alabama, and yet the line is not moving. If anything, and I brought this up to David Watson yesterday, if anything, what we're seeing here is what's called reverse line movement. Money is pouring in on Alabama, but as I told David Watson, what I'm noticing is as the money pours in on Alabama, the line's actually moving in the direction of Georgia. And what I asked David yesterday was, is that if you follow the gambling world and you kind of pay attention to some of this kind of stuff, the, the, the thing that you get the impression of here is there is a concern on the part of sports books that if money's lining up behind Alabama and the line's moving in the direction of Georgia, there's this concern that there may be big bettors, six-figure type guys, pros, if you will, who are waiting to pounce on Georgia if that line moves back in the direction of the Crimson Tide. But get, gambling betting expert works for BetUS. I asked him yesterday if that was true, and this is what he said. I think it's a proper read, and, and that's not an unusual read either. A lot of a lot of big money comes in late, obviously, because especially during this time in in society with COVID and everything else, I think a lot of the a lot of that big money, a lot of those six digit betters who would move a line in one direction or another, if, 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 if enough of them got in that spot, got kind of got in the row in the same way, that line could move. So let's recap this here just for a moment. You've got a little bit of an unusual point spread, at least in the eyes of kind of the casual uh, fan. Georgia favored over Alabama, despite the fact that Alabama won the first matchup between these two teams easily. This point spread made even more mysterious in the eyes of some because, according to BetUS, big sports book out there on the scene, online betting house, money is pouring in on Alabama. The line's not moving in the direction of Alabama. If anything, it's moving away from the, the 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 crimson tide here in the direction of Georgia. And the takeaway that David Watson says is accurate on this is, is there are big bettors out there, professional-minded, six-figure type bettors, who are waiting to pound on Georgia, to leap onto Georgia the moment this line goes back down, so much so they're keeping it at three right now. And, and David said that with us on SEC Country Live right now. It doesn't see this line really moving much really at all. Uh, the expectation is this thing stays at three, even with this casual money coming in on Alabama because of the fear that pros want to get involved with the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, I realize what you're going to maybe some of you say about this. Well, B.A., I don't really care about that. I don't plan on betting all of this, and I, I totally understand that. And you may kind of put the betters into the category, some other experts here who have kind of gotten it wrong recently when it comes to a lot of stuff, and I kind of get all of that there as well. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that I take comfort when people who put their money where their mouth is, and apparently people with some big bucks are very much lining up behind Georgia. Otherwise, uh, this line would be moving in favor of Alabama based on what David Watson said there. I take some comfort in the fact that people who are likely smarter than me uh, really like Georgia in this game. And I think that stands as a sharp contrast to folks who just kind of go on TV, go on the radio, and just sort of spout their opinion and just kind of shoot from the hip here. The fact that those folks seem to like Alabama – but they don't have nearly as much on the line if they're wrong. Let me give you another example of that. Let's talk about Greg McElroy for a moment. McElroy's former Alabama quarterback. He's an ESPN analyst, radio host in the city of Birmingham, Alabama for WJOX. And they were interviewing Paul Feinbaum the other day on his show. And I don't fault McElroy for this. I mean, everybody's entitled to an opinion. 
but McElroy kind of shot from the hip on kind of a kind of an opinion that I think reflects the way that a lot of the media views this game going into it on Monday, where all of a sudden the formerly undefeated Georgia that got kind of exposed by Alabama the first time around, all of a sudden guys like McElroy say, I'm not buying into Georgia anymore until I actually see it with my own eyes. This was McElroy from the uh, radio program WJOX earlier this week. I cannot pick Georgia in this game. I'll make my pick now. I mean, I'm picking Alabama. I don't know how you can pick Georgia. I understand why people might be able to see through that. But, man, I've also witnessed Bama beat Georgia convincingly a few times. I just can't go that far. I understand it. I get it. But I I can't make that decision. So, hear me now. Believe me later. What I think if you're a Georgia fan you should take some comfort in is, is that if McElroy spouts that opinion and says, hey, you know, I can't pick Georgia, blah, blah, blah. If he's wrong, he loses nothing. All he has to do is come on TV or the radio and sort of shrug it off and say, "Oh well, I guess Georgia's better than I thought I was." Kind of on uh, thought it was. Kind of on to the next topic. And listen, I ain't mad at Greg McElroy. I'm just kind of pointing this out that McElroy's opinion reflects the way that a lot of folks think right now. And if they end up being wrong, if Georgia wins, they lose nothing. They risk nothing. They just shrug it off and they move on to the next thing. But all of these, as David Watson said, six-figure betters who want to bet on UGA and are just waiting for that point spread to come down so they can. If they are wrong, they lose a house. They have so much more at risk, so much more at stake by being wrong and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know what you do with this. But for me as a Georgia fan, someone who doesn't really care about the betting part of the game on Monday, I just want Georgia to win. The fact that the betters like Georgia more than the media is kind of all I need to know because they put their money where their mouth is. They're willing to, to risk something, both on the, on the betting house side because they set the lines and the big six-figure type betters because they try to attack the lines. The fact that the people who have something, some skin in the game, some risk on the table, the fact that they like Georgia more so than kind of the hot take artists on TV or the radio, I take some comfort in that, and I think maybe you should as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 963, podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Really happy to have you here for all of that here today, and a quick reminder to you as well that it's all made possible by our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. I love my friends over there, Bob, Jason, the whole team, uh, Ashley, Bob's wife. Listen, I know for a fact, because I've been to games with these folks before, there is nobody who wants Georgia to win this national championship on Monday more than our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. Uh, I, I love them for that. They've been great partners of ours for a long time, big-time UGA fans. And they also take their work really seriously there as well, because in the midst of getting ready for national championship games and you know, coming up the holiday season, which is a very happy time for many of us. For others, it's not necessarily a happy time. It may be that final reminder that a relationship you've tried to save is just unsavable, that, that just simply has run its course and come to an end. And sometimes in life, that's just kind of the way that it goes. And uh, that's just sort of the thing. And it becomes reality for some folks. And confronting that reality is the best thing you can do in 2022. And confronting it with an advocate for you who understands the law, but also understands the emotional weight of what you're going through, I think is really important there as well. That's why I heartily recommend Meriwether and Tharp, because they're your source for Georgia divorce. What that means is, if you've got questions about the divorce process, they have answers. How the law impacts you, financial stuff, uh, relationship with children, other things that I'm not even smart enough to even think about. You know, When I talk to Bob about this, uh, Bob Tharp, I'm always kind of amazed at like, the stuff that is top of mind for him related to this topic that, I, as I said before, I just would never even consider. And that's why you want to have a free initial consultation with one of their folks, one of their attorneys, and let them equip you to kind of understand the process that you're getting into. And then after that, uh, you know, you hire them, they go to work for you, and they set you up for a very successful next season of your life. So find them out online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. That's Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. It is Terrence Edwards coming up in a little bit. I am running very late. Uh, so let me see if I can pick up a little time here. Uh, we'll talk to Terrence about the big game on Monday. Before that, though, around the doghouse today, presented by our friends at Serve Pro. And I want to do more of this audio later on, sometime before the week is done or sometime before the game is played on Monday, because I think it's the best stuff of the week. I really do. But I started today's show by saying this is the moment where it all becomes real for me. 
Georgia's playing for a national championship on Monday. As a lifelong Georgian, I'm not a UJ graduate. I'm just a guy that, that has loved Georgia football my entire life. Um, but, and, I've, and I've you know kind of dreamed of, of Georgia winning a national championship. This is the moment in which this starts to feel like the end of a very, very fun story. And if that's true for me, it's true for so many of these Georgia players as well. I don't think anybody articulated this better than Nolan Smith did this week. He was asked uh, about you know being from the state of Georgia. He played his high school football, obviously finished at IMG Academy, but, but Nolan's a Georgian man. Uh, um, and he was asked about you know being from this state, what would it mean to, to bring this title home to Georgia and satisfy some of these Georgia fans who have craved this for so long they can taste it. They can absolutely taste it. What would it mean to, to become a hero in the eyes of, of so many who've, who've you know, dreamed about this moment? I, I thought that Nolan's words, this wasn't the only you know, quote he gave along these lines, but it's the one we're going to play for you right now. This is Nolan Smith from yesterday on the, on the importance and the value of being on the team that brings the national championship back to Georgia. I loved this. I mean, I think it means everything. You know, it's a lot of kids that's born and raised in the state of Georgia, and this is one that you'll never forget. And I always tell, always talk about leaving a legacy to my kids, but this is the ultimate, you know, kind of like, you know, a lot of people go to the programs just because of their father and everything. I want that to be my son's choice, but ultimately this is my goal and my dream to be able to walk back here and, you know, point point at, you know, son, this is what I did here. And, you know, we born we born and raised here, so why wouldn't we want to do that? Don't you love that? I mean I mean that don't you just love that 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 a guy like Nolan Smith, this is not a common thing for anybody, you know, for younger people especially, because I'm sure in the minds of a eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old, you kind of have this vision you're gonna live forever. But but Nolan Smith seems to have this kind of uncommon appreciation for the fact that there are things out there that will last longer than me. Legacies last longer than my physical body does. And Nolan Smith seems to have an appreciation for what his legacy and the legacy of the other 84 players who are on this team with him, what their legacy will be if they bring this championship back to Georgia. It exists in the form of trophies and memories and everything else of something that that really etches yourself into the history book. And listen, these Georgia players are going to be beloved no matter what, but there is a special level of appreciation when you accomplish the ultimate goal and the fact that Nolan knows that I think is a really good thing. And the fact that's a part of the pregame chatter for UGA, I think is a, a really good thing as well. We're going to do more with the Nolan stuff throughout the week. Wanted to give you a taste of that right now. Cause I thought it was just simply incredible. And we'll do more of that with uh, Terrence Edwards here coming up in a moment as well. But before that though, let me remind you that this edition of around the doghouse is presented by serve pro of course, serve pro the one you turn to for, you know, you have damage that shows up in your home. You know, sometimes, Fire damage is a thing. Sometimes water intrusion is a thing. And gosh, you know, give water a long enough time, it can create the Grand Canyon. Imagine what it can do inside your home when it when it gets in when it's not supposed to. You have you know water pipes break, things like that. Uh, obviously, you know fire issues uh, can be uh, you know kind of an issue. My mom had a little bit of a fire scare the other night. Just kind of a little bit of fire popped up, and you know that can create. It just sort of happens out of nowhere, creates damage. Uh, at least it could. Thankfully for my mom, it didn't, but it could. Uh, the point here is is that these are the kinds of things that can just happen as a homeowner, that, that you have a catastrophe. Something, something kind of goes wrong and creates a, a mess to clean up. And when you're on the other side of that, you want to fix it like it never even happened. And that's what Serve Pro uh, gives you a chance to do. Their restoration specialists can put your home back together, can clean it all up, fix it all up like it never even happened, which in a situation like that is exactly what you want to be the case. And with Surf Pro, that's what can be the case. All of their franchises are also independently owned and operated. That matters to me. I think that's a very good thing because I like doing business with folks who also have a little bit of a stake in the outcome. I think too many of us have too many experiences these days with you're trying to get some help, some service in any kind of sector and you just have a hard time finding anybody who cares. I mean, you ever feel that way? Well, that's not going to be true when it comes to Serve Pro because the people who are helping you own their business. This is this is their livelihood. And much the same way you want your house to and your home to feel the way it's supposed to, they want their business to to thrive. Uh, you have a vested interest with each other in the successful outcome here. So that's why I like recommending Serve Pro to you. So find them out online at servepro.com. That's servepro.com. S E R V for a lot more on that. Great to have Serpro with us as a part of Around the Doghouse. All right, so we heard from a current Georgia player about what a national championship would mean, and I thought those words were quite poignant 
Let's now hear from a former Georgia player, someone who also understands what it means to be from this state, represent that G, have that G represent them, and the legacy, the history that all of these uh, guys share together. Let's talk more about that now ahead of the game on Monday with Terrence Edwards. For the first time, by the way, let's welcome in Terrence Edwards to the program as a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. I'm really excited about this. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. I am more than a little bit late getting to Terrence, so let me apologize to that, uh, to him for that. But I also am very proud. You know, two things we've loved around here for a long time, interviewing Terrence Edwards and also Marlowe's Tavern. You've heard me brag on both of them for quite some time. Now we bring them together as part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with Terrence Edwards. This is just a, a great new uh, era for our program. And uh, Terrence, Happy New Year to you. Uh, thanks for being here today. And if you don't mind, let me begin with this. I thought Nolan Smith's words were – so well-spoken about, you know, bringing back a national championship to Georgia. Terrence, I think about you. I think about someone who not only loves UGA, your alma mater, but you love the state of Georgia there as well. And, you know, you, your brother Robert, and, you know, so many folks are so closely tied to the history of Georgia football. As someone who has an appreciation for that, as someone who wore this uniform and, 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 and set records while doing it, and, you know, now cheers for this team as hard as anybody could, in your mind, what would it mean for you, what would it mean for this program to bring back home a national championship on Monday? Well, it would mean a lot. Uh, I don't think the players currently will understand what this will do for their legacy for the rest of their lives. I think we always talk about, you know, Herschel and that whole team in 1980, and we still, you know, is, take that team as probably one of the best teams in Georgia history. So, I don't really think this team understands what they're up against right now, not just against Alabama, but just about the legacy of Georgia football and what they will put themselves in a whole different stratosphere than myself, than all the other players that wasn't a part of that 1980 national championship team. So they're carrying a lot of weight on their shoulders, and uh, I think and I know that they would go out and the game is going to be different than it was the first time. Yeah, I think that's all uh, really well said. And if you're Nolan Smith, I mean, I'm not really old enough to remember the national championship of 1980, so clearly Nolan Smith, who's way younger than I am, you know, he has no physical memory of any of that kind of stuff at all. But the impression I get, and as a former player yourself, maybe you can speak to this, is that while you may not be old enough to, to remember all the things that have gone on and you may not quite have the same experience of, you know, you know year after year worth of heartbreak, which like you know a longtime fan like me might have endured – I do think you can somewhat feel that in the atmosphere maybe from time to time that, that you know what's at stake because of how loud the folks cheer when Georgia wins or maybe how sad they get when Georgia loses that as a player, you may not have the personal memories, but maybe you kind of notice the atmosphere that exists around the program. How true would you say that is? Uh, I, was, I was one, so I don't remember the game either, but you know the history. As any Georgia player, Georgia fan, uh, especially Georgia players walk those halls every day at the Buccaneer. You see that 1980 team around the building, and you see other teams, but it's only one that one national championship. Well, two 1942, I think is. But we, uh, the players, know even if these players wasn't born, the player parents was kids. You know the tradition and the history because it's it's printed all over that Buccaneer, and, and they understand what's going to happen Monday night. Uh, win, lose, or draw. Uh, we felt this a few years ago, and I don't think anyone in this fan base, I don't think anyone in the Bucks near wants to come out of the game feeling the way we did last time when we uh, had an opportunity to bring a national championship back to Athens. So with that said, let me ask you a simple question. How do you make this time different than last time? Everybody's been kind of weighing in on that this week, but in your in your mind, as someone who watches these games closely, you know what is the recipe for making this time different? I just think everyone just got to uh, try not to think about the ghost of Alabama because it has had our number uh, in these situations for a lot of games now. I don't think we have beaten Alabama uh, since Coach Rick uh, with Mikey. I think Mikey Henderson caught the touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford to win an overtime think that's the last time we yep, beat it is. Alabama. Uh, so I just think that the ghost, I think 
this team is, is going into the situation say, why not us? I think they knew they didn't play their best. I think all the things that you read and heard, that hurt. I don't think this team, uh, the way it's built, the way it's coached, wants to feel that well again. And I, and I, and I put a lot of onus on the players because from someone who analyzed and watched the game from a different lens, the players didn't play their best. Uh, was the game plan correct? Could have been. But I don't think the players executed well enough to win that game. I think a lot of people want to put a lot, a lot on the coaches, and they're responsible. But when the coaches put a game plan together, the players have to go out and execute. At the end of the day, it's the players' game, and the players have to go and uh, show up. And I watched that Michigan game, and I watched the coin toss. I watched the, the those guys' eyes. I watched the Georgia Bulldogs captain body language. It was just different body language, and I think that body language would go into this national championship game. As a professional player, and you played in the NFL for the Falcons, played a long time in the Canadian Football League, and you know, you're probably certainly going to have more experience with the idea of rematches. I'm assuming that you had a good number of rematches when you're in the CFL. How is that different? Because that's the kind of thing that college football teams don't get a chance to experience very much. Occasionally, it happens, uh, but it's but it's rare for that to occur. Now, Kirby Smart had that, in, you know, against Auburn in 2017, but it's a little bit unusual to have the rematch in college football. It's, it's a lot more common in the uh, professional ranks when when you were in the CFL certainly the year you spent the Falcons obviously division opponents things like that but how is playing a team for a second time different than playing it for the first time well it, it's pretty unique you know you bring up my CFL career because there's times where we're we're play teams uh the same team within six days so uh you get opportunity to go out and and play that team again uh win lose a draw uh, you have an opportunity to uh, see what worked, what didn't work, things you need to correct. And I think this is a, is a unique situation where, uh, like Kirby said after the game, they got some good notes, they got some bad notes, and now they can really expound, expound on the good things and correct the bad things that they uh, didn't do so well the first time. Even if the coaches thought the game plan was correct, they can still use that game plan. Now the players really have to – now really understand uh, what the coaches are trying to get done in a certain defensively standpoint. Because I think a lot of the mishaps, especially defense, were just misassignments and miscommunications. And you get the opportunity to work on those misassignments and communication uh, would be key for this game. You know, Alabama bringing a different dynamic offensively um, with Bryce Young and, and Jameson Williams and that offense, now communication. Uh, it's going to be a little different in this game because they understood uh, the mistakes that they made the first time. So adjustments is going to be the key in-game adjustments more than preparation during the week. I think in-game communication is the key of, of winning this game. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably right. I mean, the one thing I keep coming back to is, you know, you've heard a lot of the Georgia players talking about this week of, hey, you got to have a better pass rush this time than you had last time. The other thing that Kirby Smart himself has brought up is, You've got to avoid those turnovers, something that, that Georgia obviously had you know, its issues with against the Tide in the SEC title game and going back to last year on the road in, uh, in Tuscaloosa, that, that if you're looking at some of those key statistics that matter more than anything else, you're going to have to have that three, four, five sack total. I don't know that, that one interception kills you in this game, but certainly multiple turnovers make winning this game much more difficult from a statistical standpoint. Those two numbers right there, how many sacks you get, how many times you turn it over, that's about as important as it gets, right? Oh, most definitely. You just you just take the Michigan game. We gave up no sacks and no turnovers, and you, you look how the game went for us. So uh, I think Stetson, you know, has to – play mistake-free football. I think in the Michigan game, I saw one play that I wish he wouldn't have made. But other than that, I think he played a great game. And, uh, you know, he has to go into this game and, and just be calm, cool, and collective, uh, limit his his bad plays, and uh, just take what the defense is giving. If that's running for two yards and, and, and keeping the ball and not turning it over, that's what you're going to have to do. But we're going to have to continue to use all our weapons and not just rely on – just to run a game. And this is the last game, so anything you got in the vault right now, we have to throw it out. That's offensively, defensively, and special teams. There's no tomorrow. Let's go out and just play mistake. Let's, let's play carefree. It's, it's, there's no tomorrow. That's the last game, so there's no need to hold anything back. Uh, let's just go in and, and play football. 
got some company in the Georgia record books here this week. I'm going to talk to you more about that in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with our good friend, former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards. And, of course, when you think about Marlowe's Insiders, you can become one. Terrence is a UGA insider. I don't know if you can become one of those or not, but you can definitely become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider right now, and I want to tell you how you can do that. Just simply go to Marlowe'sTavern.com or download the Marlowe's app, and it's easy to register. When you do, you get a big incentive. You're going to get $10 off, $30 when you sign up. Now, here's what else comes when you become a member of the uh, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. You can dine at any Marlowe's Tavern, and when you spend at least $15 on food, and beverages you're going to earn a qualified visit now if you complete four of those you're going to receive a complimentary entree reward up to twenty dollars on your next visit y'all know i love the chef inspired food from marlowe's love the craft cocktails as well to be completely honest with you and uh you're going to love that there as well especially when you become a member of the marlowe's tavern uh, uh insider club here you can also redeem your free entree at your favorite marlowe's tavern uh, you're going to receive special offers for your birthday, which is always kind of a really cool thing. There's no cost to sign up for this. It's uh, free. Just go to marlowstavern.com, and you can learn more about that, and you can become a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club and get some great benefits for doing just that. So, Terrence, one of the things I love about you is you are both proud of your records at Georgia, and you should be, but you are also very hopeful and have always been very optimistic that some pass-catching targets would join you in some of those accolades. In fact, yeah, the thing that uh, you've said before, which I always kind of laugh about, as the only 1,000-yard receiver in the history of Georgia football, you're always joking about how uh, it's an exclusive club and you'd like to have some company in that club at some point in time. You've always been very gracious about hoping for success for other players to kind of join you in some of those uh, very, very exclusive categories. And obviously on Friday, Brock Bowers did just that, matching your single season total of 12 touchdowns in a year we've talked about Brock before I know how happy you are for him but as somebody who knows what it takes to set records like this at Georgia how nice was it for you to finally see somebody match one of those I mean listen number of touchdowns caught in a season is a pretty cool record to have and to have Brock match that number from you uh how nice was that for you so let me correct you B.A. he actually topped me I oh, had excuse 11, me. so he tied, yeah he tied it uh, the SEC championship game, I You're think. Right. And, uh, yeah, so he broke it last week, and I sent him a nice message. And, man, when you have a guy like that, you, you always, you know, have a marvel about his talent. That that guy is special. Um, so I'm happy for him. That means he's doing his job. He's doing the things that everyone in that in that locker room, everyone in the, in the butts, man, even when I watch his tape, uh, I'm a, I'm, I would be lying to you if I say I thought he would be doing it this early. Yeah. But I knew it, at some point this kid was had special talent, and he's showing it. And uh, I don't care what the the Boulder said. This is the best tight end in college football, bar none. Uh, he has all the ingredients to be Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, I sent him a message and uh, congratulated him. I even sent Coach Monk a message asking why he had to get him that record out the way so early could have been more <laughs> suspenseful and did it later in the game but I, i'm happy i'm happy for him and man he's, he's a special talent that's a uh, really good stuff terrence and you're right let me make sure i give brock his full credit he did surpass that total on friday night there in that game and it's it's really funny to hear you uh tell those stories about reaching out to brock and uh todd munkin on that hey uh terrence thanks for being here as part of the marlowe's tavern insider update really appreciate that we'll look forward to getting more insight from you coming up here very soon on all of this and happy new year to you we'll look forward to the chance to chat very soon uh thanks ba hopefully next time we speak we will say 2022 national champs go Go can't wait for that terrence great stuff thanks for your time let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through yeah i told our video audience this before the show began today if georgia wins on monday i don't know when i'll sleep next uh, but it ain't going to be Monday night. Um, into into Tuesday, into the week, you know, whatever. There's no telling what's going to be happening back here in the in the home state uh, once that game goes down. Now, listen, you got to take care of a lot of business. And the honest truth is, if Georgia loses on Monday, I may not sleep for a week either. It's just me. It's just going to be one of those kind of weeks. It, that, and um, you can sort of already feel that vibe going into the weekend. You kind of feel that way. It's just going to be one of those things that kind of marks time. You will, one way or another. You will always remember the events of January this is the 10th, January 10th, 2022. Either for the good or for the bad, it is just one of those type of things that we will look back on forever as either a continuation of a story we hate 
of the start of a new chapter that we all very much love. And I tell you what, it's great to hear from Terrence Edwards on the subject of all of that. Let me also transition here and go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Obviously, you know how much I love them. You know how excited I am about all the big things they have going on in 2022 and want to invite you to check it out for yourself and experience all the greatness of Royal Caribbean yourself, our friends, the Cruise and Vacation Authority. When it, when it comes to all the fun stuff that, that Royal Caribbean can provide you, onboard entertainment, uh, you know, the great ports of call, you know, choosing the right cruise ship for you, destination for you, all of that. When it comes to all that kind of stuff, you want to turn to experts. That's why for every time we mention Royal Caribbean around here, we're kind of pointing you to someone who can help book that travel for you and, and not only experience the greatness of Royal Caribbean, which we can attest to, but also the the convenience of working with someone who can help get a great Royal Caribbean cruise booked for you. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority, that's where we would turn to for that. TCAVA.com, that's the website, TCAVA.com, where you can give them a call, 770-952-8300, 770-952-8300. You can check them out today and check out Royal Caribbean. You, you hear me talk about it all the time, about all the fun stuff. Examine some of that for yourself, and you can find out Perfect Day Coco K, the onboard entertainment, both in terms of the activities to do, but also the the bars, the restaurants, the, the shows. This is one of the things that Royal Caribbean's kind of setting the new standard for when it comes to the cruise industry and you can find that out for yourself make sure you check that out today all right let's cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean right now and interesting story yesterday kind of popping up related to dj durkin who has been old miss defensive coordinator but has been reported to be on his way to texas a&m to become the new defensive coordinator replacing mike elko who left that program to become a head coach and uh, brent Zwerneman, i think was one of the first from houston chronicle to kind of talk about this expecting Durkin uh to to be on his way to Texas A&M there almost came to A&M before uh back when uh, Kevin Sumlin was head coach but could be on his way there right now and listen there are a couple of things going on here with the Durkin move from Ole Miss to A&M the first one is this is a guy that has a little bit of baggage connected to his name going back to his time as a head coach at Maryland and kind of an unfortunate situation up there involved player death and listen I don't really feel comfortable sharing an opinion about that because I don't really know much about that situation. I mean, I know what has been reported and things like that, but I am by no means an expert on whatever happened at Maryland and what Durkin's role and all that was. I'm going to leave that for smarter people than me to weigh in on. I just don't really feel like I'm fully equipped to express a, a well-formed opinion on that. But as far as the football part of this goes, with Durkin reportedly leaving Oxford to go to College Station, like the one thing I kind of circle back on is, is this is just the reality that Ole Miss is forced to confront. You know, you got the 10-win season, you beat your arch-rival Mississippi State, you got a chance to go back to the Sugar Bowl. A lot of things were going well for Ole Miss, including the fact that Lane Kiffin appears to be sticking around as head coach. I'm not really quite so sure that any great offer came the way of Kiffin. He seemed to kind of fizzle as a rumor on, uh, on, on kind of the coaching carousel circuit here, but nonetheless, it appears that, that Lane Kiffin's also coming back there as well. So, on the one hand, it sort of seems like Ole Miss kind of has a lot going for it right now. But on the other hand, you have these moments when you just kind of confront what your status is, both within the SEC and within the world of college football at large. You know, you appear to be about to lose your defensive coordinator. You lost your offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, goes to Oklahoma. And that's not the same Oklahoma that Lincoln Riley was the coach for. This is the Oklahoma that has, you know, had been forced to quickly hire a coach and turning its attention to Brent Venables, who doesn't have that head coaching experience, and yet he still swooped in and, poached uh levy here pretty quickly on all that i think you've lost your strength and conditioning coordinator there as well you know lane kiffin did not have a very successful early signing day for the 2022 class essentially shrugged that off saying that old miss doesn't pay enough money basically from an nil standpoint to attract top recruits and so all of this has just been a reminder that you can have a good team and old miss this year had one but having a good team does not make you a strong program and from a program standpoint there just appears to be a ceiling on how much capability the rebels really have here and not able to hold on to your coordinators lateral move in this case from one sec program to the other from a from leaving an sec program and going to a oklahoma program that's essentially rebooting itself right now i think that's a little bit of a confront uh, confrontation with reality here that that old miss has a little bit of a governor on its progress little bit of a uh, ceiling that it's hard to puncture there and the dj durkin news maybe the latest example of that then there's this 
a program that's also trying to be on the rise here. And for now, even though they had a worse record, but seemed to have a little bit more offseason momentum, that's South Carolina. Fun bowl win. Uh, Shane Beamer was doused with the uh, mayonnaise, which is obviously a viral moment, and obviously still celebrating the fact that former Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler, who started the year amongst the shortest of shortlist favorites to win the Heisman Trophy, eventually lost his job there in Norman, admittedly, but now becomes a very high-profile transfer to South Carolina. And Rattler, as big-time quarterbacks have uh, a want to do, typically is also hoping that some big-time teammates will join him there in the uh, Gamecocks, including a former teammate from Oklahoma. Let me show you this on Twitter here for a moment. So you've seen that Mario Williams, the former Oklahoma wide receiver, has put his name in the transfer portal, and Rattler has said, you know, hey, why don't you come join me here at South Carolina? Now, the truth is, is that I don't know that that Williams is much of a threat to actually land at South Carolina. I'd be pretty surprised if that happened. But what this does kind of remind you, though, is, is that there's never going to be enough attention to go around and Coaches, the same way they recruit players, kind of also have to kind of recruit attention. You want to be a college football program that's in the offseason chatter. You want to have some buzz around your program. And when you bring in a guy like Rattler and he's doing these kinds of things on social media, it just keeps the conversation buzzing around South Carolina. I think the Shane Beamer has had a very successful first season on campus, and I believe that by bringing in Spencer Rattler, he actually sets himself up for – a really very good second year there as well. That that things seem possible at South Carolina that may not have seemed possible there, you know, not 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 too long ago. So when you see a guy like Rattler out there on social media doing these kinds of things, no matter what it results in, these are the kinds of things you want to see your program, the kind of conversations you want to see your program involved in, and you'll give both Beamer and Rattler some credit for that. I guess it's also fair to point out maybe there's a chance that eventually Georgia merges. As a little bit of a target candidate here for Mario Williams, maybe keep your eye on Matt a little bit. Obviously, Georgia always in need of elite players, especially at the receiver position. So maybe the possibility of Mario Williams here. Uh, we'll pay close attention to that. Uh, let me also do one more thing here as part of our SEC through crews around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. So uh, <laughs> I talked about this yesterday, and I want to kind of follow up on this for a moment, that Brian Kelly was um, – uh, interviewed during the Texas Bowl the other night, the blowout loss that LSU suffered to Kansas State. He was interviewed during the game, and I was watching it, but I guess I wasn't paying as close attention to it as I should because Kelly kind of actually got into the accent thing during the interview more than I sort of realized he did when I was just in the living room having it on, and in some cases maybe even on in the background. I, I, I guess I didn't quite realize to the degree to which the Kelly did kind of address the accent thing. Now, a lot of you may be wondering what I'm even talking about with this. So let's go back to when Brian Kelly was first hired as LSU coach a few weeks ago, makes the appearance at the basketball game. This is a pretty common thing for coaches to do. Kirby Smart did this when he first took over at Georgia. He made the appearance at the Georgia basketball game. Smart's appearance actually went very well. That's when he rallied the troops for the first time around the idea of having 93,000 people at G-Day that year in 2016. That's exactly what happened. That was a successful, kind of a conquering hero-type moment for Smart there at Stegman Coliseum. The moment for Kelly there at the, uh, uh, what's it called, the Maravich Center, did not go nearly as well because Kelly was largely assumed to have faked a Louisiana-style southern accent while talking to the fans. One word in particular seemed to be the culprit here. Uh, let me show you this as a way of setting up Kelly's response to that. This is Brian Kelly with the family heard around the world. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana. Now, the reason why I'm going back to this, as I said before, I want to kind of correct the record on what I had said about this yesterday, because I don't quite realize, think I realized the time, the, the fact that Kelly was kind of confronted on family more than I realized on the ESPN broadcast uh, this week. He you know, kind of brought that up. This isn't really, really very long. But it seems like he's kind of owning the fact that he faked the accent and got it wrong. I find all this to be very weird. Brian Kelly, take a listen. Listen, whether it was dancing or I couldn't get my accent down <laughs> with family. Listen, I'm from Boston. We don't have strong accents. First of all, where does he get off saying people from Boston don't have strong accents? And there's a reason why the whole Pak the Khan, Havid Yad type thing, <laughs> there you go, uh, becomes a cliche. If you're watching a video, you see the Kansas State fan kind of mocking Kelly with the uh, family all kind of spelled out phonetically on the uh, board like that. Uh, that's all pretty funny. 
But here's just a very quick point I want to make about this, then we'll move on. Brian Kelly's going to be really careful about this kind of thing. There is a way to trip out of the starting gates that puts your entire first season in a little bit of jeopardy. And if you have a bad first year at a place like LSU, it's not a guarantee you get married many more years after that. I mean, I think Kelly makes a huge PR misstep by even acknowledging the premise of this, acknowledging that that uh, that he tried a fake accent and didn't go well. You can't do that. You can't play into the hands of the people who are mocking you for this. You've got to just like have no shame whatsoever and make it seem as if the people heard wrong. Well, no, I don't know why you're making such a big deal about my pronunciation of the word. I'm speaking at a basketball game. I can't really hear what I'm saying. You know, I'm just you cannot acknowledge that you tried an accent and didn't get it right. You just can't do that. And in that clip we just heard from Brian Kelly, it sort of seems like that's what he did. Dude, what a phony. I mean, what a what a fake. You think the people in Louisiana are going to see straight through this the moment the first thing goes wrong with that? Oh, boy. I mean, I think Kelly's a pretty successful coach, and at the time I thought this was a pretty big hire for LSU. You just got to be really careful about some of this kind of stuff. Uh, you got to be really, really careful about how you uh, handle a lot of things like that if you're Brian Kelly. So something to think about there. We'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And want to welcome in a brand new sponsor to our program and give you a heads up about something that you need to be aware of if you find yourself in some trouble. Because if you get injured in a car accident, I want you to call the Wilson PC. Because at the Wilson PC, they're going to provide signature service, signature results for every one of their clients. Obviously, a challenging situation. If you get hurt in an accident, that's that's the kind of thing that uh, you want to be made whole again on something like that. And that's where they come through with a dedicated and experienced team. It's going to make sure you receive specialized treatment uh, for your injuries and you get full financial compensation for what you've been through, which is what really matters in a situation like this. So don't be treated like you're just another car wreck case. Have a attorney on your side that's going to treat you like you're special, like you like it matters, like you know, like like your outcome is important to them. That's what the Wilson PC is going to do. So let me give you a number to dial here. It's 855-247-Wilson. That's 855-247-Wilson. Or you can go to thewilsonpc.com. That's thewilsonpc.com. Signature service, signature results. Make sure you check them out if you are involved in an accident. All right, so we'll wrap up here today with a uh, golden shoe. Always fun to be able to do this. Dogs getting ready for Alabama in the national championship game. And by the way, a former dog that I ran into in the uh, bowels of the Orange Bowl at the Hard Rock Stadium on Friday, the great Bill Goldberg and Somebody sent this to me on Twitter. Our buddy uh, Derek uh, Stash Stooge on Twitter says, the Bama, you're next. Obviously, the the famous line from Goldberg, how about them dogs, redemption time. I told you one of our great listeners, Bob Zamlin, also gave me a bottle of redemption bourbon to celebrate when Georgia finally gets that win. Uh, Derek, that's good stuff, and it will make you our golden shoe winner today. Obviously, the edge that uh, Goldberg approaches life with, a good one for Georgia going into a game like this. So, Alabama, you are next. And maybe this is really truly a time for redemption. Also going to October, Gatorator Countdown, 296 days from right now. Uh, the dogs get a win against those lousy, stinking Gators. We'll see you tomorrow, uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Have a great day, everybody. And on the podcast, I'm going to have the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. And, yes, I realize that we've been a little erratic with the podcast cool down as of late. In fact, let me read one of these comments. Uh where is this comment? I want to read this. Uh, so uh, William Billy Ray on Twitter said, B.A., I'm beginning to think you've given the golden shoe heave to the podcast cool down. Uh, he says, I'm not worried, though, because in the dead of winter, you're going to be begging for our questions. So we have not given the golden shoe heave, so to speak, to the podcast cool down. We haven't thrown it for a first down, as Coach 30 would say. Um, that is not what we've done. Yeah, admittedly, we've been a little bit erratic with that. A lot of that's just due to the schedule we've been on, both in terms of you know, things have been kind of going on since we've been back in studio. Obviously, we were kind of on the road there for a little bit. Uh, that was a little bit tricky. But we love doing the podcast cool down. And the thing that we really love more than anything else is is making this a separate segment from the other cool down stuff that we're doing on video. That's just something we like to do. And really, in the new year, my hope is is to add even more content to this particular part of the show, the cool down podcast than just your comments. I'd like to give some things to the podcast audience that I don't give anywhere else. You know, I am, I guess, still kind of curious to find out how folks feel about the cool down overall. I'm kind of curious about that because one of the things I am conscious of, two things, is the podcast being too long. Some people don't like that for whatever reason. 
and the podcast being being published a little later because obviously when you do the cool down it takes a little later to get the show on the site so when it comes to the podcast cool down those are my only two concerns am i making it too long for people and am i just because it takes five ten minutes extra to you know record this part of it am i then delaying the publication of the podcast by five or ten minutes in a way that kind of you know frustrates the audience would prefer to have it as early as possible so that's my only concern on that and i do continue to want your feedback on that but my hope is is to not only continuing to do the podcast cool down in 2022 but continue to make it uh something that or or, or move in the direction of making it something that's special and unlike anything else that we're doing because the one thing you should know is is that you know, while our video audience has grown a lot in recent years, video is just an easy platform to, you know, kind of distribute. And we've added a bunch of video platforms. We've been thankful to have a lot of growth on on video. You know, the actual podcast on a day-to-day basis is really just as big, if not bigger, than any other individual platform at all. It was also the one we did first. When I first started doing Dog Nation Daily, I never imagined this show would be anything other than just a podcast, a recorded on-demand audio product, in other words. I, I never imagined it would be anything other than that. So <sighs> I know that sounds like I'm talking about my favorite child here, but when I think about the, the platforms that matter to me most, the podcast will kind of always be the one that I have, I guess, the most affection for, no disrespect to the video platforms, but the podcast will always be the most important thing for me because it was the one we did first. It's the one we've been doing longest. Um, it is on an individual basis, arguably still the biggest. Um, so from that standpoint, the podcast always matters. So if we ever don't have a podcast cool down, it's not because I disregard the podcast. It's because of some other issue. And as I said before, my hope is, is the podcast cool down can be even bigger and better than it's ever been before in the upcoming new year. Uh, Earl Wise talking to the folks at SEC Shorts. You know they have their funny video about hope. Earl says that nobody's embraced hope more than Dog Nation Daily. Please give him a personal message. Yeah, listen, uh, we've certainly embraced the idea that there's not just you know blind hope, blind faith, but justifiable reasons to believe that this is a great era for Georgia football and that there's even more still to come. We think there's evidence to support that, and we hope to be proven right on that on Monday to be sure. Randy Griffin writes in to say, okay, dog fans, choose. A, beat the socks off Alabama and win it all, but next year you go 8-4 and four and lose to Florida and take three years to get back to the SEC championship, or you lose uh, to Bama, but we'll be back in the playoff the next two years. I'm never good at comparison games like this. Hey, would you rather go 1-11 and, and beat Florida or 11-1 and, and lose to Florida? I'm just never good at stuff like that. Um, the cool thing about college football, in my mind, is, is it's the intersection of both the predictable and the mysterious, that – you know, a lot of folks thought Georgia would beat Michigan, and they did. A lot of folks also thought Georgia would beat Alabama the first time around, and they didn't. Um, sets up a scenario on Monday where we literally don't know what's going to happen, nor do we know how the life's going to work out after that happens either. So I think the fun thing about college football is, um, especially in a situation like this, a big game like this, is to zero in with minute focus on what's happening right now without concern about whatever else may come after that. Who may transfer out of Georgia, who may transfer into Georgia, what Georgia's record will be in 2022, who the starting quarterback will be, anything like that. That It's just really fun to pretend for those 24 hours on Monday night that nothing else matters at all, that there is no future, there is no past, there is only that present moment and the chance to conquer in that present moment. That's the thing that I think really matters to me more than anything else. Let me also mention this, and we're going to go here as part of our podcast, Cool Down. Jim Dog 85 and uh, uh, Mitt Layton also have uh, uh, written into us about some issues that we continue to have for those who listen to the podcast on the browser. Now, I thought this was fixed because I have talked to our technical people about this, but apparently the problem still lingers. And I don't 100% understand why that is i'm just not smart enough to know that there are thankfully people who are here who are smarter than me so i'm taking this back to them to see if we can get this fixed i'm really sorry for the inconvenience i know for a lot of you the show pops up on dognation.com you like listening to it right there on that most of you don't do that most of you use another platform to listen to the show on but some of you like listening through dognation.com and so 
we're going to work to get this fixed because what's happening is I guess it's listening for a few minutes and then it's kind of cutting off. And I don't know, I don't know why that is, but apparently for some people that is the case. So uh, we'll let you try to, we're going to try to get that fixed for you and we'll keep you updated on it as that goes along. So thanks for being here today. Podcast cool down. First one of these we've done in a little while, but we're glad to be doing that again and appreciative of you for being a part of it. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and our podcast, Cool Down After That, presented by R.S. Andrews. For your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day, everybody.